If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. and girls gather around for another episode of this life i'm telling you it's been a good couple of episodes here <laughs> let me uh, <laughs> let me get a little business out of the way uh please everybody check out me and lawrence vana kbc 7 day 790 midday live talk radio program we uh, have that up at doctor.com uh also at kbc.com also join the email list at doctor.com get the weekly opium series as well we're gonna do a narcissism series explain why we are all so crazy in this country and why the tribalism <laughs> And, so a little um, narcissism is good. I'm going to argue I, that all the time. I told you. I told you. No, 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 no. You don't get Bob Dylan if you don't get narcissism. Uh, you, Bob, no <laughs> argument for me. That's one of the things I'm going to teach people is that, that it's not a pejorative. It has a liability. Yes. Okay. Uh, and the liability is what we're dealing with right is now. Is the recovery industry. <laughs> no. uh, and we have a new product that we are getting behind called Genotex uh, from the Genotox Lab. Genotox. Genotox. Tox, rather. It's the genetic, so you know that the urine is of the person. Exactly. So you check the DNA from the cheek swab and you make sure that, that he has the urine, the DNA that from the person. That could put a lot of phony outpatients out of business. And I, I like the way Bob wants to deal with it. Like, I've got my Genotox swab here. Is there anything you want to tell me? When they go in the bathroom <laughs> with a cup of urine. Is there anything we need to talk about? <laughs> Uh, and also our friends doesn't at feel Heal. warm enough. Are you sure this is yours? <laughs> our friends at Heal, they of course will come to your house within two hours. Go to Heal dot com. Do you know how many cold cups of urine I've been given? <laughs> oh, you can just feel it and go, dude. Come on, yeah. are you kidding me? Do you think I was is, born yesterday? The pH. What is about off. the Wizenator? <laughs> <laughs> The Wizard Ace. Well, <laughs> brought that up on a prior episode. We haven't even introduced you yet. Introduce you can't talk. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm this is Amy, my friend Amy. She does know she's a comedian. She was a comedian. Now she's an author of My Fair Junkie. Awesome. She's also one of the funnest people in Hollywood for the last 20 editor, years. Contributor to The Fix, thefix.com. Well, let's not get into that. No. What? <laughs> yes, Why? six years. I know, but you you write great articles. I'm just I, I have a problem with the fix. Oh, okay. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I didn't know. It's that. owned. It's owned by rehab. Oh. Not anymore. He sold it. Oh, did he? He sold the rehab. Oh, okay. Oh, he sold the rehab. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be even. Oh God, you always get me in trouble, Bob. You always make me. With her publisher, I'm going to get her in trouble. Oh God. There so, goes that anyways, just so you know, <laughs> I put in a a closed. What's it called when you have an envelope with a bid in it? That's what they did for the fix. It's like a. You know, it was Close bankrupt, bid. so oh, oh. what do they do? Auction? Yeah, and I'll you have to put auction. in an envelope what you're willing to pay, and oh. the, the other rehab paid more. Well, that's so, interesting. So, anyways, insider. So, thing. Amy, your story. She's yes. an author. She's an well, author. But the but the My Fair Fix, or My Fair <laughs> Rehab, or My Fair Addiction <laughs> story's got to be intense, I'm imagining. Um, well, it was... Let him get the book right. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? My, my Fair, fair junkie. junkie. My yes. Fair Junkie. My Fair Junkie. But what it is, is she... She and I have parallel universes. We've crossed paths through the years. She was MacArthur Park was, back in the day. No, no, no. no. Be- Not Beverly that bad. Hills AA. Not that bad. <laughs> Be- Beverly Hills AA and Rehab World. 
Yes. Right. Yes. And so, and it, you know, and I've always felt like she's a kindred spirit. She's like me. She argues about everything. Wow. And now this last go round, when, how long ago, how long, how much are you sober now? Five and a half years. Five and a half years. So five and a half, six years ago, something broke in her and now oh. she, she talks the talk and pretty much more orthodox. Oh, good. Wait, right? What's the main Wouldn't drug you say that? Stimulants? How did you know? <laughs> Keeps you thin. Keeps uh, you thin. Um, yeah. Eating and sex, though, too. No, yeah, sure. Yeah, I had an eating disorder before I picked up drugs. Then I picked up meth. Uh, did that for two years. Developed grand mal epilepsy, which I still have 15 years later. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Hyperactive lesions on my frontal lobe. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, but that didn't keep me from shooting cocaine a couple of years later. Uh, but That's it's, not it, meth. That's what I, I was like. Think, it's right natural. Yeah, it's, it's not made from gun blowing, yeah, right? It's an interesting move. How come you didn't smoke it? Oh, which? The Shooting cocaine. the coke. Yeah. Oh, Why'd you because, shoot the coke? Because if you're going to go to Uruguay, would you take a rickshaw or walk it? Like, let's get to where we're going. <laughs> were, you, were you shooting the meth? No. No. I, I was that's never. The, that's yeah, the interesting I, well, move. Well, okay, because when you go to enough rehabs, it's oh. almost like the learning annex oh. for drug addicts. Uh. And then all of a sudden you relapse uh. and you get, you know, you party with someone who's like been a junkie for 20 years. And they're like, why are you snorting there it? You why go. don't you shoot it? It uses less. It's much better. And then and from by Beverly that point, Hills yeah, to by that, that point, you're like, well, why not? Right. So, At least not heroin. Yeah. So I was shooting coke, but I was having seizures. So I shot coke in a bike helmet. That is a true story. In a what? Bike helmet. In a bike helmet. In oh, case she was she had a seizure. Head, so I would crack my head open <laughs> if I had a seizure. Because the cocaine's even more likely to cause seizure than the uh, yeah. Yeah. Good. It does cause seizures, but yeah. not as bad. That's like an overdose. Like, well, yeah. cocaine induces seizures. Meth yeah. causes seizures. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So do you yeah. have seizures? On the cocaine? Um, yeah. yeah. But that's why I wore a bike helmet so I didn't crack my head open. <laughs> I'm imagining it wasn't the initial move with the bike she helmet. She was no. a all the way gal. Can we be clear? Yeah, all she, the way. All the way in. So right? then, yeah. yeah. But then a couple, I had a couple seizures back to back and I was just kind of like, I think I'm going to die. Mm. I think I might actually end up Did that make you get sober? Yeah, it did. Oh my gosh. Two what? seizures back to back scared me. That's Drew's and... favorite motivation to get sober. What's the, the one? real comprehensive. But I didn't stay sober. I did not stay Sorry, sober. Sorry, but I, but you I stayed know. stayed sober eight years. Seven that, years without AA. Seven correct. years. Yeah. Oh. I know you don't like AA anymore. So is she, <laughs> she, she you, so when somebody says I, I'm, believed i was gonna die and they really believed it then they're workable then they become somebody yeah i was really scared yeah and i never could moderate my use and i was never functional as a drug addict either um but uh so the book opens with me being uh arrested for felony domestic violence i was mm-hmm. high on oxycontin and oh we got was, some opiates in here too yeah so i got huh, tell uh, me about in, that you gotta go a, all the way dude um i had a i got something called frozen shoulder which is something you get when you're like an inactive skinny Jew in your forties, I guess. Really? And um <laughs> just freezes up. Yeah. Like a it's football so painful. It's, it like capsulitis. It's, I, it's called tendonitis. Yeah, oh. I, I've got it all the time. Oh. Yeah. And I couldn't use my I couldn't lift my arm and uh, I would just cry at night and they gave me Norco and that didn't kill, that didn't do it. And then they gave me Oxy and uh Oxy made me very aggressive, obviously. And so um, I pulled a a knife on my now ex-husband while I was really high, and I went to jail. And that's the beginning of the book. I understand that, but I've been a part of it from far before. So what I want to (laughs) know is when's the – at what age did you go to your first 12-step meeting and or outpatient rehab? 24. 24. And at what age did you get sober? 
Which time? Now, this time. Which this time? time? This, this time. time. 43. 43. So, it, uh, it's yeah. a, the journey that I'm interested in. I yeah. want people to know when their loved ones, mostly loved ones of addicts, listen to this show. And okay. they're always hoping this week, no. and it's going to be magical, and they're going to be sober the rest of their life, and they're going to have a wedding, and it's going to be great, and they're going to Stanford, and everything's great. And I always try to like tone that down. This is a journey for them. Your daughter, yeah. your husband, your husband, your family member, not you. And it takes time. And I like them to hear these varying stories. I, I've been in six rehabs. I right. mean, my for, experience was... For alcoholics, it takes the average... This is Okay, to... so Drew's got the data. Right, Here's the yeah. real hear hardcore data. Yeah. Wait till they get to the opiates part of this. It's going to be awful. Well, yeah. no, this Go. is... This, I just have the alcoholic data. This is from John Kelly at Harvard. And it is four treatments, five years to get one year of sobriety. Ooh. That's average. Ooh. Four that's, treatments, That's going years. to meetings all the time oh. and feeling guilty and ashamed that whole five years, <laughs> lying to all your... Your family members that you're sober, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Ooh. Yeah, parents don't want to hear that. And that's only about alcohol, which Ooh. is the most successful drug to recover from. Right. And of when course. you go to opiates, Drew, what do you think that number I, is? I, I think I think Amy's pretty much got it. Six <laughs> to ten. Yeah, then ten years and <laughs> right. But I didn't see, I didn't really like uh, uh, oxy, and I de- I I titrated right off it. Mm. And that wasn't it. And then I started drinking Four loco, and then I started going – you know, it was like I went back to booze. I was too scared to shoot coke anymore. I was too scared to touch meth because I had epilepsy. And so I sort of, you know, touched them all. But it was like I would have three years Didn't sober. Didn't somebody try and, to say do marijuana and then you won't oh, have I seizures? I am I tried CBD oil. <laughs> I did try CBD oil and it didn't work. Somebody it did, did not, say it. It did not work on me. Um, but – you know, I would get like three and a half years sober and then I'd relapse. And it's not that I necessarily thought it would be different. I would be in so much pain. I didn't care. Pain from what? Emotional pain. Uh, I just – life. I yeah. didn't know how Psychic to function. Pain. You yeah. know, I just didn't know how to function yeah. and it was like I want to check out. I need to check out. Yeah. And then finally I had uh, – I got arrested. I lost everything. You know, my Beverly Hills princess – you know, and then all of a sudden, I'm on medical disability, sweeping on a chain gang, sweeping the tra- nice. sweeping trash. Yeah, nice. it was you know go. me and forty Mexican guys. They're like, what you here for, Weta? I'm here for DUI. Weta, just so you know, is what I was called. Also, that means you were white. You were Weta. She was Weta. And I was like, I'm here for what you want, domestic violence. And they were like, Whoa! And uh, I had a I had an epiphany sweeping the streets. Of Hollywood Boulevard, by the way. This is the perfect Hollywood story, Drew. She was working for the Hollywood Beautification Project on Hollywood (laughs) Boulevard. Yeah. At six, you had to be there at six, what, seven, seven in the morning? Seven, seven a.m. On the dot. A princess from Beverly Hills has to be at Hollywood Boulevard with a broom <laughs> sweeping Hollywood Boulevard. That's what got through to you. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I, I really, first of all, I got there and they were like, you've swept before, right? <laughs> And I was like, well, I, I've swept privately. I mean, I, I've never swept publicly. I've wept, I'm more but of a not swept. private sweeper like the Tina Turner song. They were so unamused by me. They and didn't I, even know what she was talking She was telling them, she was doing stand up bits for them, and they didn't even know what she was talking about. When you did stand up, what, what kind of stuff was your routine? It was all about my ex. Yes, and it I was went all a couple times. It was, being she is really wife. funny, Drew. Really funny. And everyone's like, go back to stand up. But I just, you know, now I can I can be funny and deliver a message. I want to get into speaking, and I am getting into speaking. And to me, I have something to say that I think is important and life saving. And if you can make it funnier 
all the better. People can hear it better. Mm -hmm. It's more digestible. They're Mm -hmm. open. It breaks down the stigma, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to just be funny for funny. Yeah. But you were funny. See, we did a podcast a couple weeks ago. We were so out of control. And and one of the things was I saw her do a thing at the comedy store just like on a weekday night. And Amy could shoot down hecklers within her bit. Like very few people can, especially incorporated to the yeah. It was it was like a you were like a ninja, (laughs) and I think that part of maybe is fear of doing it, or I don't know, or 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 why would you be doing it if you were doing stand up out of an insecure place, which a lot of comedians do it from a very insecure place, wanting to be loved, (laughs) wanting to be liked, wanting whatever. Oh yeah. it's Elvis's school calling. Uh, I'm sure there's some important LA thing going on. Um, uh, what? They call you every two hours, the uh-huh. schools. It's Jeez. ridiculous. So if you're doing it, for, if you've always done stand up, because she's an excellent stand up and it came up that she wants to be more of a lecturer and integrate comedy into lecturing yeah, about yeah. addiction and stuff. And I saw it as kind of a, some unresolved thing about stand up because you're so good at it. There, I'm not bullshit. He, okay. he wants I'm to not go bullshit. Back to Obviously, he talked about it the whole time. <laughs> and the other thing is like, you're the most incredible sober stand up female stand up. No, she just knows she's how to shut guys okay. up. Oh, that yeah, that's that's the works thing. well for relationships. Um, <laughs> I stopped doing stand-up because my life fell apart. I had a nervous breakdown. I went into treatment. I tried to kill myself. I lost everything. And I was focused on getting sober and getting my life together than I was doing a tight 10-minute set at the comedy store. Yeah, yeah. And also getting newly sober. I didn't want to be around people drinking and smoking mm. pot at 1 in the morning. Then I was in sober living for two and a half years. You can't be like, hey, can I break curfew? I need to go do you know a set in the belly room. you know. And it's like <laughs> – and also, okay, here's another thing. Yes, nerves were part of it, but I was sober most of the time I did stand-up. Right. You were sober the night I saw you. Yeah. Um, stand-up is based on how broken you are. Poor me. See, Aren't I pathetic? This is the thing. This blah, is very, blah, blah, blah. you got to understand, so he's obsessed with comedy. I am? Yes. <laughs> All your friends are comedians. All your friends are it's comedians. True, but it just has happened that way because Carolla His, and – Well, we're smart. We're yeah, smart. smart. They're we're smart, smart and like self-effacing. But it's like – you know, it was like all my thing was based on how crazy I was and what a terrible yeah. wife I was and how – what a bad drug addict I was. And I just thought – there's nothing funny about being happy and having your crap together. Nothing. So I just decided – I thought that I had labeled myself – and I needed to break the identity I created. And I was like, I need to recast myself. And I want to recast myself as someone who's successful and got their shit together and isn't crazy. And right. so I started working on that. And then I also – I needed money. So I was freelancing and I was babysitting. And and then the book came and it's just kind of taken off from there. And right. I mean the book – it's great to have people go, oh my god, that was hilarious. But not that nothing beats getting a letter from someone saying – you helped save my life. Your book gave me hope. I'm going into treatment tomorrow. Thank you. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And I just cry. I still get those letters and I cry and cry. To have taken 20 years of self-destructive crap and turned it into a tool that helps people, right. oh my God. Right. Right. And and you caught my ear a little bit. Two and a half years in sober living. That's interesting. Yeah, right? That's a long what you hear. time. That's yeah. what you hear though, people that are serious and going to well, do I know this. where to go either. Did but, you ever <laughs> run into Andy Dick? 
<laughs> I saw him at the store. I don't know him. He knows a friend of mine. But, no. but, Do you but, mean run into him, run into him, or run into him in like sober. naked? No, I mean, in, a sober, like? in a sober living house. No. What area. What He's also is, been living in them off and on for years. What, what caught my ear is for a different reason than, than Andy in sober living, but but you were slide, slipping and sliding, slipping and sliding, and then two and a half years in sober living. Yeah. That's a very different approach to your recovery. Right. And that's what I recognize, and that's yeah. what I recognize, and and you know, you life is balance, right? So somehow I think you're out over here being very conscious of what you just st- stated, and kind of wanting to get away from the former you, Which and eventually the- what what an authentic existence is is the integration Absolutely. of both, right? right? And you're in the process I, I of that. Completely yeah. agree with right? that. And that might be from a stand-up stage. It's hard to be funny about good stuff. It really is. But, Think, but, yeah. You know what I mean? But, I mean, you, but it's, you have to be open to the possibility. It, of the was, re- a, it was a problem for Richard I, Pryor. Well, Richard I, Pryor got sober, and it was— What, then he, he sucked? He didn't <laughs> even try. You know what I mean? He, I mean, I was, he, but again, I was sober most of the time I was doing stand-up. I just—I mean, I, I, spoke she reco- I spoke as she recovers. Uh, right, mm-hmm. five hundred women, Beverly Hilton. I got a standing ovation. It was funny. People were crying. You can do it. You can. Do, you can. You can have a message and be funny. Who? What recovery advocates are funny? That's the way to reach yeah. young kids. Yeah. They want to know that you can be that you that you haven't lost your sense of humor and that you can still have fun being sober. And I think that for me at least, I need to to break the shame. I've got to make a. I've got to have well, humor about and it. And just to keep going on the path that Bob has set forth here, why not do both? Stand up and uh, speaking. Well, it's hard though. I, I understand what she's going through. When she brought it up, and then I thought about it right? days no afterwards. Money. When I go to my favorite oh. comedians, yeah. Louis, Dave Chappelle, Chris, yeah. you know, Bert Kreischer, right? Bert too. Right. So, Tom so, uh, the guy that mm-hmm. died. That I found after he died, the, the we had his wife on the podcast. Oh, that guy's uh, funny Ralphie, as Ralphie hell. Uh, that Bob. guy is funny as hell. Bob. But it's all very tragic. Oh yeah, and it's all. It's, so is I, there I, a Schadenfreude part of the audience who loves comedy? They like being around these losers like Louie and this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is there a Schadenfreude I, part of the audience of of comedy? Yes, but but I yes, but I think that. People that are really good comedians orchestrate the audience. They're playing the audience. And Ralphie May is what I'm thinking of. I've seen Ralphie May have people crying, like nearly vomiting, but in <laughs> waves through the audience. It was the weirdest thing right. I've ever so seen. Funny. I was way on the side of a huge audience, about 4,000 people. And I watched it just go like like literally awesome. waves through it, and, and he. But was a just, lot of it's self depreciating. Oh, like, well, really, like I talked about, I it's very. It's all like, look how fucked but up I am. But why do people like, want to go see a, a a guy who's obviously in pain? Talk about that pain because in people a funny like to feel way. because first of all, people like to feel better. <laughs> people like to feel better than you, and people like to laugh, and they like yes. you know. People like to feel superior. That's it. You know, it's you got. Let's well, let's break down laughter a little bit for a minute here. You, they're they're up on stage, and I'll use Amy as an example. And I loved how she attacked. She shut this dude down in two. I seconds. I even remember this. Right. Yeah, she's just doing her job. Yes. She's just she's just doing her job up there. And and she is evoking from the audience this spontaneous, subconscious, visceral, uncontrollable discharge, right? It's not like she's – It's coming from them, not her. It's not like she's up there – they're up there going, hmm, E equals MC squared. She's making a good point there. No, it's like she, she is evoking in us 
collectively and individually these involuntary discharges, right? Which is a pretty well, powerful thing. Well, a lot of what thing. she touched on and why it was I, – I also described watching her being uncomfortable. It was about how women view their husbands and all husbands worry – how, what their wives are really thinking, and she, she's going to talk about it for ten fucking minutes and make everybody feel uncomfortable. Right, right, and, right. But, but then discharge, have our have our laughter discharge, and so look at you knew what you were doing. Shut up, well, you knew what you were doing. I was sure, like you were always very manipulative. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> but right. I mean, I just... Uh, well, I had about 10 thoughts at once there. So. Okay, yeah. <laughs> go, I mean, go. Well, one was... What this, is that insecurity that I, men feel when women are... Castration anxiety. That's okay. <laughs> what it is. I, but that's why that marriage, that's part of the reason that's that marriage that is. is over. Yeah. I don't think that was cool of me to actually make fun of my my yeah. husband on stage. I think that was right. disrespectful but, looking but, back. But by building the tension of your castration anxiety and then discharging it with laughter, it makes it all okay. And... The, collectively, you're the group. You're the audience. You're setting her up up there and giving her the power to do that. Collectively, we're, in a way, we're sort of sacrificing them. They're sort of human sacrifices. Oh, absolutely. Right. See. Totally. And and but she is she's playing into that human sacrifice and using it in a way that builds the tension and then releases it. So you don't want to do the sacrifice anymore. And does that make for but more intimacy? Is it, is does it, it make us understand it, the human oh, condition oh, better? Yes. And what do we say she did when it went well? Killed it. She killed. She killed. Right. So, so there you go. Isn't it and weird? When you and really she think tried about to it. kill him, by the way. Well, she cut, she's going to cut his I brandished nut. a knife. It was very Hamlet. I didn't ever try to – it didn't even but touch him. But the nuts him. were going to go. She's going to cut his nuts off. Really? <laughs> right? That's really what that is. All right. And, and that's the tension. You do, you, what is she thinking of me is sort of how it consciously plays out. It's like, does she think I'm okay? Does she good enough? I'm big enough? Blah, 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 blah. You're right. But that's all sort of weird, little, weirdly funnels into How come when I said you like comedians? All of your friends are comedians. You go to comedy all the time. The only times we've gone out socially as couples were to comedy clubs. <laughs> and then I bring up comedy. He goes, but, why would you think that? Let me just say. I know. Let me just say. Wait. You invited us to the comedy club. Oh, but you love comedy. I love going. I sure did. We go rarely, though. We almost never go, right? Christina P is playing tonight. Want to go? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She's great. She's great. I love her. She's at the comedy store in in LA. If anybody's here, I will go see anytime. All right. Okay. So there we have it. It's also, you know, it's hard to talk about drugs and being sober to a crowd that's drinking, that's got a two drink minimum and drinking because they don't want to hear about it. You know, yeah. and it's I'm trying to bit. think of who are the people that have gotten sober, stand ups that have gotten sober that were funny. There aren't I don't know any. Why you're, why? Just read my book and quiet and just talk. Okay. Like, my, I'm into the writing now. I understand that. You know, it's like that's where I can have a message. That's where I, I don't have, there's not the pressure to be funny all the time. You can be funny when there's places, but you can also be honest and authentic and vulnerable. And I think that that's important. That's the other thing. As a comic, you know, it was. You use comedy to deflect from real emotion and vulnerability all the time. Mm-hmm. It becomes your armor. I was doing it in meetings. I was doing sets in meetings. That's how I le- that's how I started being a comic because I would just I was so crazy when I was newly sober shooting coke. I'd start talking. <laughs> I was so out of my mind, and people and I was so honest that people were just falling off their chairs laughing. And a couple professional comics came up to me and they just said, "Have you thought about doing stand up? You're hilarious." 
Wow. Were you manic at the time? No, I'm not bipolar. She's No, I mean from the cocaine. No, no. I just so, and they were just, and I was like, okay. So I started doing stand up and I did it for about five and a half years and I toured and it was great and I got it out of my system and I don't miss it. But to be fair, aren't there a lot of girls that you went to high school with that are kind of like you? They're just no bullshit. We know. No. There's a lot that are acid tongued, no bullshit. Mm, They weren't, they're not my friends anymore. Believe me. I was the good You went to Westlake? Where did you go? Where did you go to school? I went to school in Westlake, but I wasn't friends with those cool girls. I was like a Harvard goody Westlake. Too. You went to Westlake when it was separate yes. from Harvard. Yes, yeah, yeah but it's right. like I was like a goody two shoes. I didn't drink till I was nineteen, so my friends were all like goody two shoes, and I was like very. I didn't smoke or drink or kiss anyone till I was like eighteen. You know what I mean? Nothing. So what were you in Catholic school. What saving up. Well, that was before that. And they put, <laughs> putting a Jew in Catholic school was interesting. <laughs> a Jew in you Catholic know? school. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. Did you go to Catholic school? No. But, you know, I was a goody two-shoes, so my crowd, they all got married and had kids and became lawyers, and I became a drug addict. Okay. Yeah. Well, there was another crowd there of your generation. That, that are gnarly. Were, I know. That are gnarly. That tell the fucking truth. Shocking I truth. wasn't friends with those girls. You Maybe know I need who to be friends I, with those some girls. Of them of are married to some of my friends. Mm-hmm. You know. Right? And oh, there's uh, a, it's a whole West Side it was almost like that empowerment movement that L7 kind of led. Like women are equal to men and they act like men and they fucking confront you and, you know, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was all around that west that side. Was, it yeah, all started well, in Beverly Hills. I wasn't Hills. friends with those girls then. But you know, you know that was going on. Of course. On. I could name names. They're all in AA now, too. Of course. <laughs> I know. What, what is know. it about drug addicts <laughs> and alcoholics, Drew, that they're just, they're always... Cut, pushing envelopes somewhere on the horizon, whether it's gender, gender. My, my favorite thing is when people that have deep experience in treating alcoholics and drug addicts go, "What is up with these people? <laughs> what is up with drug addicts and alcoholics?" <laughs> Farina did that to me once. I'm like, Jesus. Oh man, yeah, he if you, doesn't. If you do if you don't know, come on now. If you and I don't know what's going on. So, but you know what I'm talking about. Look at the history of addicts and and alcoholism just in the last 50, 60, 70 years. How much of an impact it had on how we live, mm. right? Rock and roll, comedy. Those are the two cultural things. Hip hop music, right? Those are all drug fueled kind of populations, right? Yeah. It changes the normal people. It influences the normal people. Well, and then they condemn us. Do you understand on. what I'm a- saying? Ask your question. What is the question? I think, <laughs> I, I think it's some, it's comes from that insecure place of wanting to prove yourself. That's the only way I know how it manifests. I've got something to say, and I'm going to say it. Right? Okay. And that, normal people don't really have that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, so I'll give an example. Punk rock, the punk rock yes. movement was fueled by methamphetamine, yes. alcohol, and yes. antisocial personality yes. disorder. Yes. It changed the entire world's culture. Yes. It was only like 200 mentally ill people. (laughs) (laughs) And now the ones that didn't die are sober. (laughs) So, right. So, so there's a bigger question here that that I've thought about. Uh, And that is. That we went through. See, I think we're still reckoning with. I, I do a lot of thinking about this stuff, and, and I really think that that the Civil War was a major trauma that we never got through 
before we hit the Second World War and the First World War. And this was a highly, highly trauma. We don't we put it in the background, but we don't really realize how much trauma that really between Civil War and Jim Crow and then World War One and then World War Two. I mean, think about how much generational trauma there was with all that. Just profound. And now hardly any. And, and then, all we do is talk about and it. And then, well, and then peace and prosperity. Yeah, that's Boom. what I'm talking about. About 50s, 60s, 70s. Then the sexual revolution and then everyone has money and then the narcissistic turn. And around 1960, we decided that no longer were we going to listen to people that were smart and had their lives together. We're going to listen to the long-haired sociopath who's <laughs> screaming at the top of his lungs. That's the guy. Don't point gonna, at me. I wasn't a part you. of that. I was a not part you. of later on. I'm actually <laughs> correct. And I'm thinking about – you're, you're right. I'm not and then about we you. were the ones that said, fuck the hippies. Destroy everything. <laughs> exactly. You took, it, you, took it, you took it further. That's exactly right. And, but it continued to be what young people for some reason suddenly elevated as the standard to which they measured themselves, which is very – never. I can't think of another period of history where that happened. Normally, people in history were young like, people are in charge of the culture, not in charge, or the they, thought, where, where they thought. elevated the sickest amongst them. Mm. That's whom they elevated. Mm. I remember my high school stuff. We were, we were putting people into positions of authority that were like the kids could barely function. We, we wanted them to, <laughs> we wanted them to lead us because they were cool. They were cool. Right. They were cool. And so it, they got drunk and so they could handle it. There is something in what you're asking that's sort of bigger historical. I haven't figured it out yet, but there's something in what you're thinking about. Think globally. Think more historical. But I about just it. I think of that. That kind of thing, and then I saw it in comedy in the 90s. I got sober in 96, and I saw comedy as this new thing. Like, I had always loved Richard Pryor yep. and George Carlin, whatever, but other than them, there was no comedy revolution going on. No, in the well, 90s, all of a sudden, it was like a re- there was a comedy club in every town, right, it became a and there's comedy, and it became a thing, and, and everybody but that was became, also, an, also an antisocial impulse, right? Is, is it? It's or is it oh, like you're saying? Yeah, yeah, but that's also you're talking about when comedy was really great in the 80s, 80s. and early 90s. Yeah. Like the 80s was when it was, was when there wasn't any PC culture, and it was like now you can't say anything without pissing someone off. So you got Kinnison. Who do you have in the 80s? Kinnison. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, Pryor, Pryor was still working around. Pryor was yeah. still. But, I mean, he, he but still, it was a new breed was Kinnison and who were the, who were oh, the that other whole, ones? That whole Chinese restaurant thing in Boston. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Chop, chop Choy or Did whatever. Did you play there? Yeah. Did you play there, Amy? No, but just, I mean, it was just, it was a whole different, you know, it's like, now it's like, you can't, there's so much, there's so much you can't say, and everyone's yeah. really tight, and blah, 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 and everything's racist, yeah. and everything's, did you and hear, there's a did feminism, you? and like, even just, even with, with, with uh, the recovery thing, you know, I've gotten yeah. so much pushback for using the word junkie in my title. All right, hold that thought, we're taking a break, be right back. <laughs> One of the most crucial components of addiction recovery is accountability. Part of what makes addiction so difficult is the inability to self-regulate. Now, this is especially problematic for those in outpatient recovery or pain management program. And while the facilities require regular urine tests to ensure compliance, frequently the actual tests are not even observed. And this led to an epidemic of falsified samples where patients either use someone else's urine or widely available synthetic urine. The result is a lot of addicts carry right on using undetected and they get none of the benefits from treatment. The only objective test we have for addiction is the urine screen. Now, recently, I learned about a new solution that virtually eliminates the possibility of faking tests, even in facilities where they are unobserved. This is called ToxProtect, a DNA-verified drug test and lab service that provides 100% sample authenticity. ToxProtect was created by Genitox Labs, 
can be used in place of any standard urine drug test. It starts with simple one-time cheek swab to establish the patient's identity. Once submitted, each subsequent screening uses DNA testing to verify that that sample matches the patient. In addition, ToxProtect screens for synthetic urine and irregular values that would indicate dilution or other adulteration. In other words, this pretty much guarantees accountability. I'm excited to see this service being used, and I think it will significantly improve an addict's chances for successful recovery. I'm going to be talking more about Genitox Labs and ToxProtect on future shows. Thankfully, ToxProtect is being used by more and more facilities every day. Be sure to ask for it by name wherever you or your loved one is receiving care. To get more information or share it with your facilities, go to drdrew.com slash ToxProtect. That is drdrew.com slash ToxProtect. Welcome I'm back. on the air. I got yeah. a, I got an emergency text from my rehab. Uh-oh. Uh oh, Bob, I need to talk to you immediately ASAP. It's important. Uh. I can wait twenty minutes. <laughs> oh boy, someone <laughs> might die. It's no, fine. No, uh, you so. can't. When you own a rehab, you can't live in fear that somebody's going to die there, or you'll well, never you sleep. A, you know what? If if they you'll if never you don't sleep. have a crew that can't handle it, if you don't have employees, right. then you, you don't have, have the right in your people. employees. Right. You know, that's another way that I know Amy is from rehab world. Well, so because she was married to another a rehab owner, a friend of mine, mm-hmm. acquaintance of mine, mm-hmm. and that's where we really became close. And and. You know, she knows the underbelly of the rehab. Yeah, world. I'm actually writing a piece for the fix about um, bo- patient brokering now. Send, oh, it's so send, brutal. That's just one. That's just the most. What's going on? It's so disgusting. But that's just the most disgusting, obvious piece of the mess, right? There's so many layers. Oh, to I it. know. It's no, like, believe ugh. me, I've talked to people. Google making more money off the death of addicts <gasps> is the most. Well, disgusting. I'm going to talk to your boy Chuck too. Yeah. So Google makes billions, not millions, billions of dollars off the manipulation of Google searches for healthcare. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make no, the I, most I money. They make, so sad. They make the rehabs sad. look You're like right. petty anything. Didn't even think about that. You're right. Right. The word junkie before the break. Okay, yeah, yeah. so um, my fair uh, junkie is the book. So my fair junkie. What did they? What did the politically correct crowd suggest Ooh. you call it? Well, okay, my fair drug addict. My, publisher... my fair substance use disorder. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my okay. So my publishers were great with it. My agent was great with it. You know, they were right. like, it's you know, because it bleeds, title. it leads. You right. know, I've written editorial. You know, people grab the book because it's a junkie. So then, after it came out, do they have to be explained, huge... my fair lady? Do they have to be explained that millennials? I think oh, they do. Here, here's the deal: <laughs> they my, don't know what my fair lady. It's a do transformation story. It's a Pygmalion story. Oh, they absolutely would not make Pygmalion. <laughs> but, but let me just say that that I firmly believe that all this bullshit focus on nomenclature amplifies oh, stigma. Thank amplifies you. Thank stigma. you. Thank I, I, you. The strongest you. opinion that way. Thank you. Yeah. So I because were, it's all the codependent do-gooders that are the, it's not drug addicts that are doing this. No, there are though. There are. There are recovery advocacy yeah, groups who are saying. They're recovery advocates. Yeah, yeah. And they're saying, you know, you should say substance use disorder. Junkie is stigmatizing. Who are, who are these people? There are I, people that, that, I that guarantee they're, they're all, either they're either on replacement or do goody codependent. I would say most of them aren't sober, but they work in recovery. Mm, a lot of them. I don't know. Because they don't oh, really just, understand drug addiction. Okay, what I, group is I, it? I'm looking them up. What's I, it called? Recovery advocates. Is that the name of a no, group? No, I'll give it to you after. I don't want to th- uh, name names. And oh, it's the, it's, no. the, it's that group. Yeah, it's a group. That's a bunch of codependents. 
Oh, is that what you're saying? Oh, it is. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's, it's not. It was a couple. I got it from a different, a couple different. I got pushback from a couple different areas. I got it on Instagram. I got it from um once one recovery advocacy group, and I got it from a group in Canada. And well, Canada is a whole different can of worms. And so I just wrote a piece, and I was just like, you know, let's, I actually let's inter- reclaim. That's the, exactly. Let's reclaim the drug addict's privilege at using words that, to describe. You don't get to tell disease. me how to tell my yes, story, exactly. and it's like for me to. I I don't know anyone in recovery who says I have substance use disorder. No, not of one person. Not. And I interviewed an addictionologist but, but, and a psychiatrist who's also sober, who used to run rehabs, and he said even at my height of my drinking and drug use, I did not fit the criteria for substance use disorder. He right. goes, that is for that's for research that's for charging uh, yeah, the for insurance, insurance companies that's right. all that kind of stuff and he goes yes. and that's not going to break the stigma people are going to go oh well you know Steve had you know Steve has substance use disorder breaking it's like I stigma. don't give a shit he still owes me $200 and stole my car <laughs> this, what breaks the stigma is being honest about the I condition agree. and joke and making, yes. and not, making making light, not making light but looking at the humor yes. within yes and showing that you can recover breaking the stigma yes. breaking the stigma of recovery breaking the stigma of addiction Oh right, and it was God. like that's what I said, and I was like, owning it has made me feel free. Those people really mm. need to be set back on their heels. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but they, they do. And but, it's like, and don't tell me how to tell my story. Are you out of your mind? Well, I. But you know what they, they said? Oh well, you know, it's it's using some highfalutin word like like substance use disorder, like SUD, is not going to like AIDS. AIDS had a highfalutin scientific name. For a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here's autoimmune a, deficiency disorder. But, guess what? Guess what broke the stigma for AIDS? What broke the stigma for AIDS? What? Magic Johnson talking Magic about Johnson it. Magic Johnson talking and about it. And that it was no longer a death sentence. Right. right. And right. AIDS rides and AIDS stigma and all of right. that other stuff. People just talking right. about it. Yes. But and let me tell you, about and it people too. and people getting hope yep. and people but saying, "Oh gotta, my god, uh, you got to appreciate how how people are coming into this field, Drew. They're coming in for their do-gooder codependency, right? They're yeah. licensed social workers, licensed marriage and family therapists, IDs. Most of them nowadays are not sober people. Mm-hmm. They are people who want to help or want to get involved in the helping field, right? And so I just pick the ones that I think know what's up and I educate them simply on that because they're the one they're teaching that term the last five years in school oh now even APA like for for articles you have to say person with addiction or person and I'm like oh so listen to this so this is what I say I say okay if our if the people in our facility have substance use disorder (laughs) that suggests that there are some people who can use use. methamphetamine Mm -hmm. or heroin Mm -hmm. Orderly. And, and, and <laughs> that, not, just, not only that. Dave you, from Dopey Nation said, said that. that you said ever, that that's orderly use. Have you ever – he stole that from me. Have you <laughs> ever met anybody that's used methamphetamine orderly no, and correctly? Not only that. Not only and that. You should see the look on a smart uh, licensed social worker is like – they realize they've been lied to for two and a half years right. in school. What do you, what do you right? have to say? Because I right, would have thought you would – Yes, not only that. They, they – what drug addict, when you were in your disease, did you care about what with nomenclature? Think no. about it. Did that determine whether you embrace sobriety or not? It has no. zero to do with freaking yeah. anything. Yes. Zero. Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> it, it I mean, except, anything, except one thing. I'll tell you one political thing. Political correctness. I'll tell you one thing. When we all shared a language, it was a way to connect and joke. 
And and you have a gallows humor yeah. about you're being a hey man, yeah. junkie, you junkie. Right. Come on, come on, you junkie, you junkie. Like he was going to steal my yeah. book, and you were like, don't don't, you're a junkie, don't steal yeah, the book. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, but now there's all this splintering among all the things. It's like let's all just. But we're I all think going it's truly because there's a lot of people both in and out of the that are hovering around the recovery racket, right? Who are both sober or not sober? Who I don't think have the disease of addiction. I agree with you, right? So it's now been. This is part of my thing about the twelve-step world, Drew. Yeah, you got people in there that are definitely not alcoholics, acting like they're in charge of it. Oh, and yeah. whenever you challenge them, you're the devil. You're this bad person. You're the one who thinks too much or questions too much. So I just f- stop fighting. Like who would get a rehab ago. unless they were an alcoholic? There's lots of people. They have emotional issues. They have no place to live. Really? I mean, there's a lot of people. I know you would never go. Jesus. Look at the look <laughs> on her mean, face. She would never go, no matter what. No. And then she can't well, imagine you know, it's there like, are it's people like five, that go. It's like five-star chefs. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Some of them are really nice, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, Bob, I mean, Bob, I'm in 12-step, and it's Me like, too. okay, that's the other Me thing. Too. I totally blow 11 tradition, and I know someone who wouldn't blur my book because I blew 11 tradition, yeah. and I I was just like, right? yeah, and this, I this just said, don't try. Yes, to, yeah. and, uh, that, that is, they do not know what they're talking about. I know, I know. I uh, what was I talking about? Oh, eleven tradition, eleven tradition. Okay, that's in the thirties. Okay, yeah. now we have intervention. We have celebrity rehab. We have sure do. You know, South Park doing stuff about mm-hmm. AA. We have mm-hmm. it's in Love, Judd Apatow show. It's everywhere. You are it's sentenced like, you know, to and AA it's like, in the courts. Yeah, but it's like we know about it. If you say you're in recovery, people assume you're in a 12-step. So like how – how I is think it that, Yeah, being weirdly secretive about it and not talking about it is, again, adding to that creepy stigma about recovery, that it's not okay to be in recovery. Recovery was the hardest thing I ever did over and over and over again. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I'm proud of it. And it's like, you know what? I wrote about AA in the book and I wrote about some of the sexual predatory creepy behavior that happens in the rooms. And I wrote about really honestly stuff. And some girl said to me, you seem cool and you made, you, you made AA not seem like a weird christian cult i want to meet you at a meeting that's good and i said okay and she met me at a meeting and she's fucking sober now yeah there you go so yeah no i'm with you i listen i understand that's you know what i mean so 11 tradition that's fucking outdated that was the 30s well you should know that bob and i did a whole study in that 11 tradition before we did slippery it's not the world we live in anymore i agree but people get really bent about it bill w's wife that pushed it remember that that stuff she wrote a she wrote a book called uh, she, she well there's a lot of history to the 11th tradition when my belief is that AA is now not just a self-help support network. It is a religion. Oh, and there dude, are people do within that. it. <laughs> there, are, there are people within it that treat okay. it like religion. I agree. Bob, Unquestionable Bob, authority. Bob, I agree when with I that. When I was on the oh, – God, here we go. So here we go. Meetings. Here we go. Here we go. I was on the, uh, General Services when they were doing the new edition of the book, right? The L.A. chapter mm-hmm. in Olympi- on, on Wilshire when they had the offices there. And I just suggested that the L.A. chapter suggests to General Services that to the wives be removed from the big book Alcoholics Anonymous because it is misogynist, is outdated, and mm-hmm. it no longer is useful. Right. You should have seen the religious blowback yeah, against that suggestion yeah. that you touch their, their text. No, oh- that oh, I know. Moses well, gave from down Bob, on the mountain. Bob, you're acting like I don't go to meetings. You're <laughs> acting like I don't know. You're so, talking, uh, Bob. I 
but you know what? You can pick and choose. You know, there are some good tools there. It's really cognitive so behavioral therapy. Listen, it's cognitive behavioral therapy. Regardless That's of the, all that, it's still the only game in town. It's the only thing that works. No, but it's cognitive but, behavioral therapy. Throw out all the religious crap. Throw out our well, creator. I'm not saying you guys misinterpreted what I'm saying by religion. I wasn't comparing no, there, it to there, religion. Look, there's a religious it was intensity. How people it's, view it. The religious that intensity it's around questionable authority. I agree with you. And they make up the things that they say are unquestionable, like the 11th tradition or to the wise. But but I would argue that one of the reasons is that the religious stuff around it is it's always been religious fervor feeling. not religion yeah. yeah no I know what you mean and remember what we used to come up against when with psychiatry, psychiatry yeah, stuff. yeah and so people have dogmatic beliefs bizarrely almost <laughs> like they're talking about a religion or something okay. the way they talk the well way there's also their tribalism that comes Th- into there's the all kinds thing. of weird yeah. stuff right and yeah. my thing is like hey everybody this yeah. is just something that's worked it's worked the way it is right. it's worked for a lot of people it's free yeah for Christ's sake it's free right. and you talk about saving Healthcare dollars and right. let's just it's put it in the in the lineup here with the things we're doing. You're right; it is fundamentally a piece of it is cognitive behavioral therapy. Correct. Another piece is attachment. You're sitting with your Correct. sponsor. Another piece is trauma management. Yes. Fourth and fifth step. You know, so there's all yeah. kinds of stuff that we, if turns, you take it apart, and, it's really and it's, John yeah. Kelly wrote some some publications on this where he showed that it works just like all the other treatments we use. It works the same way. Magically, an empiric model that works just right. the way other empiric models work. And it's, you know, it, it it's not professionally. But it's free and it's not professional. It's free, it's not professionally managed. There's some downside. Right. But There's crazies in charge. That's whatever. right. So and, but like, but know. it is something that needs to be put in the lineup for sure in terms of the things we use to treat addiction. Right. Free. 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 And the big thing, you know what the big thing is about recovery is you don't have enough people around to sit on addicts. They're not professional to sit on the addict day in and day out the way they need. The way they need, particularly early life. recovery. They you have to sit on that person, yeah. and only only a person who was sat upon themselves is motivated to do that True. to keep themselves True. sober and to help True. others. True, and you just, they're not enough professionals on earth. To yeah, do that, let true. alone let alone enough money that to do true. it. It's like you know the second inaugural, all the what all the all the bondsmen and all the lashes and all the whatever <laughs> of, the, of the land will be run dry, just trying to keep one addict sober when, yeah. when there's this free service. Yeah, out there. you said something about the dopey boys. Dopey, oh, Dopey Nation. Dopey, Dopey yeah, Nation. Dopey Nation. No, he gave you credit, Bob. Calm down. Okay, okay. He gave you credit. I was strangely down. <laughs> worrying about him today. I don't know. I like, had a weird... Oh, Dave? I was thinking about Chris. Chris, the other guy, right? Yeah, Chris, Chris yeah. the guy yeah. that yeah. died. I was thinking about Chris a lot today for some reason. Oh, and I asked you. That's why I asked you about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, Chris is dead. I understand Chris is dead. Maybe you were conjuring up his spirit. You kept shutting down the computer. Yeah, maybe we should try to get Chris on your podcast. Yeah. No, that's terrible. Too soon. But Dave... You know, he was so connected to Chris. I know. And it's becoming more and more. There's, you know, we'll see how the next six months goes. That's how I always think. But we talked to him. I talked to him. You talked to him. Yeah, I talked to him. The Milwaukee guys talked to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's staying close. He tells you if he's having a good day or a bad day. No, I love him. You know, Dave? So it's like, yeah. yeah. No, he's a good guy. No, he's sweet, sweet. We're going to go he see him at the He texts me every other day. <laughs> at what? And I love, I love, I mean, Dopey Nation, half of their, half of their listeners are still high. So, they, <laughs> so, you know, he's told me that. So he's like, you know, tell us your worst stories, hey, those are Amy. the people we want to get at, by the way. Right. Yeah. He's like, tell us your stories. Don't lecture. Like, tell us your stories. Tell us your most horrible stories. I'm like, um, okay, I met my... 
my drug dealer at Cedar Sinai when I was having an outpatient procedure, and I did lines <laughs> in, the, in the cancer bathroom, <laughs> and I God. felt so bad. It was like it was Some like it was a sign patient. over the over the toilet. It was like flush twice if you're having chemo, and I didn't have cancer. And I'm like, people are fighting for their lives, Amy, and you're doing lines of blow <laughs> in you, the let, cancer let me ask bathroom. Did you really feel bad at the yeah. moment, or in retrospect? No, I about felt it? bad at the moment. I felt okay. like you're a piece of shit, Amy. Just like, hurry you up. Really, just don't take too long. And, and then, then, and then you thought, fuck that. Yeah, I was just like, whatever, guys. You know? And then, and then that was the other thing. When I, I One of the treatments I did was uh, I went down to Tijuana and I had amino acids pumped into my arm, right? You know about So they were supposed trip? to, you know this? NAD? It's 10 grand. It's 10 and, and, grand. Oh, the old amino acids. Now they, this have, was the hit center. Well, now this we have NAD. That actually works. Really? Yeah, it does. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, this was, uh, this was, yeah, this did not work. And yeah. I'm there. <laughs> And uh, I was like, it was the ideal thing for a drug addict. I'm like, I get to sit in my sweatpants on my phone while someone fixes my brain and I don't have addiction. I'm like, this is wonderful, yeah. right? And other people are there for like MS yeah, and cancer. Yeah. They're like, what are you no, here for? I'm like, cocaine abuse. <laughs> I was just like, I felt such a You remember dick. that? They were doing it back when yeah, we were. Yeah, they were doing yeah. it. Yeah. Do you know? Uh, you know who I, I just, I love pointing out. So. Uh, one of the greatest musicians in the world who died tragically, Elliot Smith, right? Oh, God, So he right. had been to several treatments and it oh, was very Needle in, a, in and, the hay. Oh, and brutal. He, he got that treatment, the amino acids, from that famous doctor at the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills, who you know who I'm talking about. God, and man. it was a new gimmick, the amino uh-huh. acids. And then it, Elliot had an upswing Mm-hmm. In his mood, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't suicidal, mm-hmm. right? Which he had had before when he got sober. Mm-hmm. You have a pink cloud. You're, yeah, yeah. You're I never, I've never had a pink out. anything. Look at yeah, me. Yeah, no. yeah. But you know what I'm saying? He was, he was in a good groove. But the doctor convinced him it was because amino acids. So he started being the 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 oh, face no. of amino acid oh, treatments oh, and did interviews talking about this miracle treatment for addiction and depression. Oh boy. And then a couple of years later, we know what happened. Of course. Very Do you sad. know what has really changed my, my mood and my sobriety what is? is, and I wrote a piece about, uh, for the fix, is about low dopamine tone. And you'll know about this, about the genetic mutation for some addicts. The D2, the D2 receptor. So we can't make L-methylfolate. Well, that's what you, and your D two receptors are different, so there's a lot of different things. Yeah, well, so like, the genetics around alcoholism addiction are very complex. Yes. If you see a single explanation, be very okay. Skeptical. But it was you can test for this one. I think it's called like the motherfucker mutation. Sorry, but mm-hmm. um, it's, that's what the it, short. It short, looks like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, the, I started taking the medical it, it, it thing. Looks, looks like, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's <laughs> like it is if you don't have that. So it's like for these for for people like us, you can't get you can't make L methylfolate as easily from folic acid and folate like from greens. And so you're you're you've got a low dopamine tone and blah blah. So we, I started. May, you're not, you're, they're extrapolating to that, but the but the the the. the Folate issue is for real. I started taking yeah. L-methylfolate. Mm. Bam. Helped you. I felt – I feel normal. Oh, did you get measure for the, for the gene? No. no. I, come on. I it. was shooting stuff in my arms. Some Mexican oh, oh. guy spit out on a corner. You think I'm going to take – Oh, no, no. I thought you meant later. Gene? I thought you meant later. I was just like – I was yeah. like, let's roll the dice here. Yeah, yeah. And it worked. Let's see if it works. And it worked amazingly. And what is? I mean, I think that we need to really look into that. For oh, listen, this is this is the thing about addiction. We and this is this is the legitimate the legitimate uh, sort of criticism of addiction treatment 
is that by using 12-step facilitated therapies, right. we're always accused of one-size-fits-all. Right. And to some extent, that's true. Right. Uh, when in reality, what we should be using as an array Absolutely. and that, are, that, we, that we skillfully either try or know how to apply to a yeah. specific patient. Suboxone, as you have discussed, for some people, may right. be right. Right. Methyl, you know, the, the folic acid may be right for some people. But I still needed CBD to not be a total asshole also. Do you know what I mean? Like I needed it, also right. the, the, the connection. I needed hey, look, to so know much, how to behave. I needed to con- do contrary action, all of that. The, the cognitive behavioral therapy, yes. the CBT. You said CBD. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Freudian, yeah. Freudian, Freudian slip. <laughs> yeah. Freudian but, slip. But, but to be no, fair, that didn't work on my apples. But to be fair, CBD may be something we end up using well, in our office. What was your so, thing about ca- Kevin? Uh, ca- uh, cannabinoids? It doesn't, it doesn't even make CBD? No, no, no. You and ha- Sharp were talking about it. Uh, ah. The low dose, like low dose LSD, but the low oh. dose. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I talk about a lot of things because I'm looking for stuff. But the that the thing that he wants to have the drips of. Oh, ketamine. 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 That's, that's for mood. That's Ooh. for mood stuff. That's for what? I, I, for mood. How that's low for it goes? Oh, really no, it's, it's five heavy infusions, five in anesthesia. Heavy, I, I heavy. just Yeah. Oh, no, no. Oh, I thought, what about the low-dose microdosing? That's, what, what do they that's call LSD. That? It's microdosing LSD. Oh, that, that's yeah. treating PTSD, I think, more than mood. And, and that, we don't know the long-term effects of that. Mm. Ketamine has been pretty well studied now. Um, but be that as it may, I'm not sure it's good for addicts, though, obviously, for obvious <laughs> reasons. Uh, but but, what, but the, point what, is, the point is the one-size-fit-all criticism is, is just. However, I do think that 12-step should always be a piece of what we're I using. I agree with you. And the and rest integrate, is a, the other integrate. thing. Integrate. It be and the at other the thing center. Is, Here's the question: at the center I get and a, making recovery possible. What's the, be the first question job. an addict asks within the first seventy-two hours of being in a treatment center? Are you sober? It is the most important ingredient in helping another alcoholic to achieve sobriety. All the rest needs to build around that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, meaning nutrition and hippy dippy, should I call it, and CBT, and yes, the the psychiatric community has some component of it, but what they tried to do is just replace us, right, and That's get the right. psych the sober well, people no, became, out of it. it no, no, you can't treat it like complete mental illness. Look, I mean, I've been on every medication. It, right, it's everything like, became medical. No, 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 everything no, no, became no, no, about no. Vivitrol. Everything yeah. became I'm about CBT. I'm talking about the heart yeah. and soul of treatment centers moved away from the. Fact is, what I have that you want is I know how to live sober. Well, yeah, right. We still that need doesn't that. exist in so uh, many rehabs. Oh, I you know, know that. that. I know that. But you know, you're asking me what on your podcast how I had this shift and how can we create this? No, shift. I, I. So I was sweeping the, the streets. I'm on a chain <laughs> gang, right? Sweeping the streets on a on a chain gang, and no one will talk to me. You know, I'm a Beverly Hills princess. So when I showed up there, I was like, oh my God, like these are criminals. <laughs> And when I dang here, and it was like turned out I had more time than anyone else. I was the only one there for violent assault, and it was like a really, <laughs> it was really yeah, an yeah, awakening. Dressed up for not just, having insurance, and they got a car accident. <laughs> it was just it yes, was, they got a DUI. Yeah, she's like, yeah, it was really humbling. She tried to kill kill her husband with the heel of her shoe. You know, and it was like you know, no one talked to us except for 
like like homeless drunk people were like, "Good morning," you know, <laughs> "Stay out of the pen," you know, that kind of stuff, you know. Wherein other people were stay kind of like, out of the mm-hmm. pen." Amy was being told to stay out of the pen <laughs> by homeless people on Hollywood Boulevard. That's but it was like, you know, uh, normal people were like, "Oh," because we had a clean team outfit on and all this stuff in the room, and so you know, it was like a couple people, you know, dumb people would be like, "I love the environmentalism you're doing. How do I become part of this?" show or something is that what so, but i had a moment where i was sweeping the streets and i just thought wait a second i'm in my early 40s right and i've been wow. in six treatment centers and i've tried to kill myself three times wow. and i've been in four psych wards 5150 and i've had numerous relapses and i had been sort of a trust fund baby married to a rich guy left with nothing mm. and i'm into it i'm in sober living and i'm sweeping the streets and i just went wait a second this can be the best thing that ever happened to me or this can be the worst thing that ever happened to me and it's my decision. And I thought, this is not – this is the result of all your decisions, Amy, your consequences, your character. You're not a victim here. Could this be the best thing that ever happened to you? And if so, how? And I thought, well, yeah, like I can learn to sweep and I can really learn like have a work ethic and I can get humble and blah, 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 blah. And I embraced it. And I also found the fun because I was like, you have 30 days of this, honey. So you better find what's fun in this. So it's a moment of clarity, right? And uh, there's a small little pamphlet called The Enchiridion by Epictetus where he suggests that kind of philosophy as a way of dealing healthily with life. It made a shift and I've never gone back. Get her a copy of The Enchiridion. You get it for like nothing. Even. You guys, we got to wrap it up. All right. Well, very, that was beautiful. Fun. See, very you're a recovery fun. advocate, not a stand-up comedian. I'm both. Oh, there you go. <laughs> She's both. But we, we need to do a little uh, campaign against the powers that be that are undermining the this the the, the, the culture of uh, people with their disease, owning their disease. The 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 codepe- that's how you break the, the shame. Codepe- correct. The codependents are appropriating. They're culturally appropriating your disease. Yeah. Don't let it happen. I know. All right. All right, right, you guys. See you next time. All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Check us out at KBC, being uh, Lawrence Vaughn, 790 Midday Live, Talk Radio, Monday to Friday. You can also tune in every day live via the magic of the internet at kbc.com. If you miss it, we've made it simple for you to find all the shows at drdrew.com, the Adam and Dr. Drew podcast, the Sync One I Do By Myself, Dr. Drew podcast, This Life, of course, with Bob Swole Patrol, Mike Cantho, and his new health and fitness podcast. You can uh, find us on Twitter at This Life Podcast, at Dr. Drew, Derry W, at Rehab Bob Forrest, and of course, our lovely producer at First Lady of Love. I think I know who that is. If you love this show, please subscribe and tell a friend. We appreciate it when you do. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. Send us a message. Join the email list at drdrew.com, drdrew.com slash contact. You'll also get a weekly uh, email from us on that. Uh, while you're at it, at doctor.com, please support our sponsors by clicking through the banners. We only advertise products that I can get behind. So thank you for supporting them, those that support us. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.